If you've been looking for a comprehensive Bible school curriculum that explores redemptive realities in Jesus Christ grounded in the Word of God, look no further. The goal of this podcast is to spread the life-transforming Word of God throughout the world for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ in what Jesus has accomplished for us through His death, burial, resurrection, and seating at the right hand of God the Father. There's such an untapped potential for Christians to enter into their glorious inheritance in Jesus Christ. Together we will discover what Jesus has done for us by providing such a great salvation and how to appropriate the promises of God in our lives. Jesus said in John chapter 8 verse 31, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Each podcast season will cover one of the books that I have compiled over the years. You can find a complete listing of my Christian education material on my website at www.wordinspire.com. You're welcome to download these ebooks for free in PDF format for your own personal or ministry use. So let's explore these biblical truths and principles together that will absolutely transform our lives. God bless. Welcome to the Gospel series, The Parables of Jesus, The Rich Fool, in Luke chapter 12, verse 13 to 21. The theme is be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life is more important than material things. The context is a dispute that arose between brothers concerning their father's estate. Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store up all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich toward God. I don't believe God is opposed to preparing for retirement, What he's opposed to is greed and the preoccupation of things. Money can be such a contentious topic today as it was in Jesus' day. For instance, it is one of the main reasons for divorce and disharmony within the home in our nation. So it's not surprising that Jesus had a lot to say about the right handling of money. You know, God does not mind his children being rich. He just does not want us to be covetous. All throughout the Bible, God's covenant people who were walking in fellowship with him had a superabundance, full supply, well-off, and had all their needs met. 
This is my definition of rich. Many promises concerning prosperity, God wants us blessed to be a blessing, according to Acts 20 verse 35. Now in Luke chapter 12 verse 13, someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Notice the strong warning Jesus made about greed or covetousness. Honestly, the two words are interchangeable. I love the statement Jesus made, A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. The world system pushes the lie that if we just have more stuff, we'll be happy. Yet the more stuff people get a hold of, the emptier they feel and life becomes meaningless. A vain and futile pursuit for fulfillment outside of Jesus. Psalms 127.1, Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and 2 Peter 2 verse 22. The unquenchable thirst of greed. Romans chapter 7 verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Indeed, I would not have known what sin was except through the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, do not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, produced in me every kind of covetous desire. For apart from law, sin is dead. The problem with the lust of greed is that it does not know when to stop. Proverbs 23 verse 1 through 8 and chapter 27 verse 20. Like the compulsive gambler that is never satisfied and can never just walk away. Ecclesiastes 5.10 Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. The God of money and materialism is an idol that we all have to deal with in this life. Rich and poor alike, every human being must choose whom they will serve, God or money. Ephesians 5.5, Colossians chapter 3 verse 5 through 6. Even vocational ministers have to be especially on guard against the temptation of greed. Luke 16 verse 14, John 12 verse 6, 2 Corinthians 2.17, 1 Timothy 3.3, 3, and 1 Peter 5 verse 2. Matthew 6.24, Jesus said, No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The other problem with greed is the obsessive preoccupation of physical things, not just money. The idol of beauty, fame, power, or any other compulsive pursuit outside of our Creator God. Mark 4 verse 18, Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things, come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. In the Amplified, in verse 19, it states, Then the cares and anxieties of the world and the distractions of the age, and the pleasure and delight and false glamour and deceitfulness of riches, and the craving and passionate desire for other things creep in and choke and suffocate the word, and it becomes fruitless. The worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things do what? They choke out the things of God in our lives, become weights and sins, according to Hebrews 12.1. Rather, in verse 2, It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Why does Jesus call wealth deceitful? I wonder perhaps because of the distractions it can cause to solicit and capture our devotion and love away from God who is jealous for us. Exodus 34 verse 14, Deuteronomy 
32 verse 21, 2 Corinthians 11:2. To love and be devoted to the things of this world really is sin. James 4 verse 1 through 10 and 1 John chapter 2 verse 15 through 17. Now God understands that we have physical needs and he is more than interested and able in meeting our daily needs to have an abundance. Let's not put them first or worry about them. Rather, seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all these other things will be added to us as well, according to Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 34. Nothing satisfies like Jesus. God made mankind as spirit beings, and without God, there is an aching void in their heart that is reserved only for God to fill. No amount of money, sex, drugs, fame, or anything else can fill it or provide an escape from the ever-pressing and urgent reality that they need Jesus as Lord of their heart. 1 Peter 1.18 for you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. The more people lust for the things of this life, the more unsatisfied and empty they become. The world provides hollow and deceptive philosophies to answer life's deep questions. We call that religion. The plain truth is that the reality is found in Jesus Christ alone. Colossians 2, verse 8 through 23, and Galatians chapter 4, verse 8 through 10. Therefore, the meaning of life becomes quite simple. John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 1 John 5, verse 11. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. God is the author and creator of pleasure and all that is good and wholesome, James 1.17. Acts 17.28 states, For in him we live and move and have our being. Satan perverts and corrupts what God has created to ensnare and enslave people to destruction. He is a liar and deceives people into thinking that God wants to steal their fun and happiness. Sure, the pleasure of sin is real but they are temporary and carry a great cost. Hebrews 11.25 Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you are willing to pay. Psalm 16.11 You have made known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Understanding the bigger picture helps. Mark 8 verse 36 what good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? We have all heard it before. Life is short. But why is it so important to grasp that truth? Because it is a value or belief that shapes our day-to-day -day decisions. People without a revelation of eternity live like there is no tomorrow. Luke chapter 16 verse 19 to 31. Like a man with an unquenchable thirst, they are driven by a lust for more. Ephesians 4.19 So the world lives like there is no tomorrow when eternity exists today for everyone. 2 Corinthians 4.18 So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. There is such a thin veil that separates this natural realm with the eternal or spiritual realm. Our lives on this earth is so temporary. Psalms 103 verse 13 to 17, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23 to 25. As Christians, we live for eternity today as though we will be in heaven tomorrow. When people boast about what they will do in their lives, 
this kind of boasting is sinful. James chapter 4 verse 13 to 16 and 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 31. I like what it says in 1 Corinthians 15:32. Paul said, If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus for merely human reasons, what have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For there are some who are ignorant of God, and I say this to your shame. We are aliens and strangers in the world, citizens of heaven. 1 Peter 2 verse 11, Philippians 3.20 We are in this temporal world that is passing away, but not of it or engrossed in it. 1 Corinthians chapter 7 verse 30 to 31 We need to realize that there will be some form of judgment for all mankind in the future. For the wicked, it will be at the great white throne of judgment in Revelation 20 verse 11. For the born-again Christians, Romans chapter 14 verse 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 10 through 15, and 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 10 speaks of the judgment seat of Christ. In Acts 24 15, And I have the same hope in God as these men, that there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. The reality is that we have brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. The secret is learning to be content and focused on Jesus. Philippians chapter 4 verse 11 through 12. Note, money is not evil. It is neutral, like the internet. It can be used for good or for evil. It is the love of money, greed and covetousness that idolatrizes material possessions, and that is sin. 1 Timothy 6 verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men and women into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many griefs. That does not mean that we are to be content with poverty, which is a curse. Galatians 3.13 We should be very interested in prosperity, not to heap it upon ourselves, but to be a blessing to others and fund the Great Commission throughout the world. I believe that God is not against financial planning, an estate, banks, investments for retirement. Genesis chapter 41 verse 33 to 36, Proverbs 13 verse 22, and Acts chapter 11 verse 27 to 30. There are some in the body of Christ who are called to make money and to give in Romans 12, 7. Proverbs 23, verse 4. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have the wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Being rich toward God. Getting back to the rich man in the parable, the problem with this guy is that he wanted to hoard this wealth for his own personal consumption. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 through 10. He had a false perception about the future, assumed that nothing would happen to him or his stash. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 20, Luke chapter 12, verse 32 to 34. Nor did he give thanks or credit to God for the abundant prosperity he received. That's the problem oftentimes with abundance. People forget about God and his kingdom. Job chapter 8, verse 8 through 15, Psalms chapter 9, verse 17. In Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7, it states, Two things I ask of the Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. 
Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal, so dishonor the name of my God. Again, God wants his children to be blessed with good things. We need to realize that wealth has a purpose in God's economy here on the earth. Consider the early church. They surrendered their lives and possessions to the Lord's disposal as the Holy Spirit led them. Acts chapter 4 verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and much grace was upon them all. There were no needy persons among them, for from time to time those who owned lands or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone as he had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. The proper stewardship of money is a great blessing to the body of Christ. Since God is our source, who gives us the ability to gain wealth, it all belongs to him anyways. Deuteronomy 8.18, Proverbs 13.22 It's problematic when folks get stingy, greedy, and selfish with money. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24 to 26. When we give to the poor and God's people, the Lord takes it personally in a good way. Proverbs 19, 17, chapter 20, verse 27, Matthew 25, verse 40, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 19. Investing in the lives of people is the only thing that counts for eternity. Hebrews 6, 10, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. Regardless of economic status, we are all called to put God first and to be good stewards of his resources. 1 Timothy 6.17 Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I highly encourage you to continue listening to the Word of Life study series podcast and encourage your friends to tune in as well. The scriptures encourage us in Acts chapter 17 verse 11 to receive the message with great eagerness and to examine the scriptures every day in order to confirm the truth that you're hearing. God's word is our final authority for all matters that pertain to life and godliness. I'd like to close this episode by praying over you according to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength which he exerted in Christ when God raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And in chapter 2, verse 6, 
and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Be blessed and see you soon.